Welcome to Global Brains, the podcast, where we interview AI experts, thought leaders, business executives, as well as young talent all over the world to demystify AI and discuss the latest trends in business and beyond. Our goal is to make AI understandable and accessible to everyone. So let's get started with your host, Michael Burkhart. It works. What did we do? I have no clue. It's a miracle. <laughs> We are going to talk about AI and we cannot even manage Skype. So the oh, you're getting really exactly to all my points. That's my standard uh, saying. Basically, we can't get anything to work, but we think we can control super intelligence. Okay. Artificial super intelligence. That is exactly what we talked about in today's episode number three. Welcome, everybody. We try to make a bridge between AI and artificial super intelligence and the risks associated with AI right now and what needs to be done in order to lower the risks. We also spoke about the impact of AI on jobs, on the redefinition of work and we rounded everything up with talking about Dr. Roman Jampolski's new upcoming book on AI safety and security which is one of his more than 100 publications in recent years. But with AI progressing at a mind-boggling speed, let's not lose any time and immediately dive into it. So as always, the first question, could you introduce yourself? What is your background? Sure, so I'm a computer scientist. I work at the engineering school at University of Louisville and my standard work is in cybersecurity. I found a way to connect it to artificial intelligence. So my latest work is at the intersection of both. I'm trying to make safe and secure intelligent systems. So as you are working on intelligent systems, let us define what artificial intelligence is and what artificial superintelligence is, which is also the title of one of your books. Right. So artificial intelligence, general artificial intelligence or true AI would be at the human level. It would be a system capable of doing what an average person can do in terms of jobs, in terms of creativity. Superintelligence is what happens when this system gets access to all the resources we offer in terms of knowledge, in terms of internet, reading all the books, uh, having almost perfect memory, lots of speed in terms of parallel processing. So at that point you can do things no single person can do. If you think about having a PhD in every subject, reading every book, you can do a lot of interesting work at the intersection of multiple fields. So you'll become superhuman in a sense you are as capable as a whole civilization and maybe even more powerful. So you basically have the power to combine all knowledge out there at a rapid speed and the system is doing the learning for you and you can come up with new insights which basically means you are setting the goals and you are still in charge of the system. Ideally, that's what you want to do. Otherwise, the system is not very useful to you. But theoretically, you can have a system which randomly creates a goal, which searches for a goal based on some meta criteria. So all those things are possible in theory. So that sounds like the system is making its own goals. But first, let's focus on what can go wrong unintentionally. What are the biggest risks? So it helps to study software we have today. How does that fail? What types of problems we experience? And you just have bugs in the code, right? Somebody tried to implement the design. The design was good, but they failed to accurately capture all the aspects of that design. And so the system has a bug in it, some sort of a misclassification or something like that. And we see it every day. It happens to all the software. I think we just experienced how well Skype works in certain situations. Uh, so 
this is uh, kind of nobody wanted this to happen. This is a mistake. Mm -hmm. You can have mistakes at higher level, at the level of design, at the level of goals you're giving to the system. So there's goal misalignment. And of course, you can have people doing it on purpose, like a computer virus, where someone does it to cause damage, to steal resources, uh, whatever personal benefit they want to gain out of it. So that sounds like one of your research papers, which has the title, How to Create a Malevolent Artificial Intelligence, which sounds like a very dangerous research paper. So could you sum up what are you talking about? All right. It sounds more dangerous than it is. It basically points out that almost no one is working on this problem of intentional malevolent AI. Everyone is concerned with side effects. But the bigger problem is obviously people doing it on purpose because it's much harder to prevent. And it still has all the other problems. You still can make mistakes. You still can screw up how you develop your virus. But you also have this malevolent payload. And uh, it could be insider on a team, it could be anyone. Uh, you can produce a very good uh, product, a very safe system, and somebody on purpose will flip it, uh, make it uh, cause damage. So that's a bigger problem, harder problem, and I think that's the reason so few people are looking at it. After we published this paper, a few people started kind of connecting security and AI, uh, cybersecurity, malevolent actors. So I'm very happy we did it. The paper itself doesn't give you any recipes for creating killer robots or anything like that. So intentional design is even a bigger problem. What is the role of consciousness in that? So usually we don't mention consciousness at all. We just care about intelligence and capability because it's all it takes to be dangerous or to be successful. But uh, for other purposes, for things like rights, for things like responsibilities, for kind of scientific curiosity and philosophy, consciousness is an interesting aspect of this. And uh, I do some work on trying to define what it means for a human or for artificial agent to be conscious, to experience the world, to have qualia. But it's a separate problem. It's not uh, directly connected. But consciousness is something that is not really understood. So as you do some research on it, what are you thinking about? What, what is consciousness? Can a system exactly perform like we do without being conscious? I think in terms of performance, the behavior you'll observe, it can. But I also, from some of the research I did in experiments, I read about uh, now think that uh, consciousness and experiences as a side effect of computation. So any system smart enough to get to a certain level and complexity would experience the world in certain ways, not because you designed it to do that, but because it just happens. It's like producing heat when you're computing something. Nobody wants the heat to be there, just a side effect of that process. And it looks like at least uh, artificial neural networks and natural neural networks have this tendency of uh, creating those uh, uh, additional experiences when you're computing something. So consciousness as a side effect, that is very interesting and I have to get deeper into that. But I want to talk about one of your research papers, which is called the Singularity Paradox. And the paradox goes, super intelligent machines are feared to be too dumb to possess common sense. And you are explaining this by different examples. One example is that imagine scientists have figured out how to create super intelligence and now they tell the machines to make all humanity happy and then the machines are looking for patterns and then they misinterpret a smile 
as being university applicable for happiness and then they force us to plastic surgery for example and another example you're giving is that there could be a daily supply of dopamine which is a neurotransmitter that makes us happy and the point you're trying to make is that there could be a misinterpretation of a value. Right, I agree with that, and that's the problem. But again, I want to point out that the values we talk about are not universal or common. We as people disagree. Maybe somebody thinks that, uh, yes, yeah, certain drugs should be legalized and that makes you happy. Why not? It's perfectly normal, whereas someone else is completely against it. So even on something as fundamental as should you wirehead, we, we don't really agree completely. Um, how do we now teach machines to to work with all those different sets of values? So what we basically need, we need a global code of values where everybody agrees on. Let's say all. Good luck with that. Yeah, I know it's a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty <laughs> big challenge. But only hypothetically speaking, this could be a solution. Right. If you could reduce uh, seven and a half billion people with individual preferences to one set of preferences it would make problem a lot easier i agree completely we wouldn't need ai we would be good already with like we all agree we're just getting high all the time it's good okay so all right so a global code of values is only hypothetical but the implications of ai are real and there's actually a lot of research on the impact on society on job automation and the research is a little bit conflicting as some is pointing towards the direction of there will be a lot of new jobs created. At the same time, there is there are a lot of studies on a net loss of jobs in the next 5, 10, 15 years. What is your opinion on that? Uh, new jobs created as a result of uh, technology being developed. Yeah. I, I think it's going to happen, but the jobs lost by people at this level will not uh, allow them to be retrained for those jobs at a higher level. So the people losing jobs as truck drivers will not become AI researchers later on. So the jobs we're losing, the low, low skilled jobs are pretty much gone forever. So we have to redefine work somehow. For a lot of people, work is something negative. You have to wake up in the morning, go to work, and after work, the happy life starts. But oftentimes, also people see a lot of meaning and purpose in work. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Right, so people like maybe me and you, we're doing what we're doing because we love it. I don't have to be here. I'm enjoying this. So for me, it's a very different uh, situation. Lots of people would be happy to have their job fully automated. They don't have to go to the factory. They just get a paycheck and they can spend their days uh, getting happy, whatever that means in their situation. But for a lot of people, maybe it's uh, artistic expression, maybe it's some cognitive labor, where they enjoy it for the sake of process itself, they enjoy being creative. And for them, it's uh, on one hand kind of disappointing that they are not the best at what they do. Machines are always smarter, more creative, better in that world. On the other hand, maybe they can collaborate in some way, uh, not compete with them, but kind of say, okay, I'm still the best human at this, or at least I'm doing what I love. Uh, machines are much better at playing chess, for example. Well, it didn't kill chess. People are still playing chess. They're still world champions. We're still enjoying this process. So maybe something like that where you can be a hobbyist, not so much a professional. So you're talking about augmentation, which is already happening in a lot of fields through machines. But then you can take it a step further because at a certain point um, that might be not enough anymore. You want to not only augment your own capabilities, but keep up with technology. And there's already a lot of work being done in the field of 
merging with technology, implanting a neural lace, uploading your brain to the cloud. Um, so there are already startups working on this. What do you think about this approach? That's something to consider. So people talk about genetic modification, making you smarter at kind of DNA level, modifying you. Other people talk about uploading your brains into computers, simulating yourself so you can run at faster clock speed, and then you can also have access to better memory, more, more knowledge. Uh, those are interesting proposals. Uh, I feel like at a certain point you stop being human and you become whatever, it's a piece of software or some other entity. Uh, if that's uh, what makes you happy, go for it. I mean, that's kind of what evolutionary process is. We moved on from previous uh, humanoid species to what we have today, and maybe that process will continue. So when I think about completely merging with technology and being able to update my brain with all the knowledge that is out there, so talking to you for 20 minutes about AI safety, has a profound impact on how I think about it. When I go to a temple and live with monks for a month, it will completely change my way of thinking. And when I do a PhD for a few years, it has a profound impact as well. And when I think I could just do this on the weekend by updating my brain with a PhD in astrophysics or in nutrition, it also has a very strong impact on if there's still a social interaction with people. Um, there might be a conflict of interest. You might be not compatible with your friends, with your partner anymore. So there are a lot of implications. And my question is, would you want to live in a world where you have to completely merge with technology? I mean, I don't know if we have any options. It doesn't seem like we can prevent true AI from being developed ever. And uh, so you will have this differential in capability. Uh, merging with technology to me has a downside that I don't see exactly what it is you contribute. So you tape yourself to a computer, right? Computer is the smart one, powerful one with knowledge. What is it you add to the equation? At some point you would be removed as a bottleneck. Uh, I just don't understand why it's useful. We don't type, you know, old cell phones to our head just in case that extra bit of computing is useful for something. So it seems like uh, this is going to happen to us as well. We'll be removed from the system or at least lose uh, most influence in it. Well, at least from the control point of view. Uh, it seems like uh, right now with AI safety work we're trying to control machines, control machines which become progressively smarter and smarter. But does it make sense for a dumb device to control a much smarter device? What is the rational reason for it? I mean, obviously, we all have a pro-human bias. We want to survive. We want to stay in charge. We want to be well off. But if you look at it from external point of view, that's not desirable at all, right? Like, why would you want this system where it's all backwards? Okay, so there, there are a lot of movies out there that cover these futuristic ideas and a lot of them are about robots taking over the world. Um, do you think this like focus on, on this kind of content is, is misleading to a certain degree? Because it distracts from also what is possible in a positive way right now? Well, obviously, somehow it's misleading. It's not a documentary what they do. If it's a science fiction movie, if you're watching Terminator, it's not exactly what's going to happen. But if you extract from it the main point, what are we talking about? The dangers of militarizing intelligence, right? If you have uh, DARPA, IARPA, whoever, funding research in killer robots and uh, drones, 
uh, is that a good thing? So we recently signed an open letter against collaborating with anyone developing weaponized AI, killer robots, essentially. I think it's a bad idea to do. A uh, movie like Terminator kind of gives you a very basic emotional understanding of why. You can ignore, you know, weird parts of a movie, but the bigger picture, I think it's pretty accurate. So how can we find then a balance between the positive aspects of AI and the negative aspects and risk factors? So I think we do see a lot of positive uh, ways AI is depicted in science fiction. You see your flying cars, you see amazing medicine, you see useful assistants giving you information on demand uh, back to Star Trek. You know, you always had this perception of uh, how, how well technology will evolve and how much benefit we'll get out of it. So I, I think people understand both sides. Uh, just like with news, it's uh, more clickable to report on something dangerous or kind of negative. Nobody, you know, wants to hear about another sunny day. It's not entertaining. But uh, it's a very different uh, domain from science. I mean, people who read those articles wouldn't be reading scientific research papers. Okay, so I think... After talking to you right now for 15 minutes, it's time to wrap it up. I guess I get a good idea of your perspective. Um, so in the next decades to come, there will be new jobs created. At the same time, there will be a lot of jobs automated. The new jobs will be more difficult and it's hard to transition everybody into these new jobs. So we have to think about redefinition of work and uh, most likely the focus will be more on hobbies and other things we enjoy in life. And at the moment, AI is augmenting our own capabilities and it will most likely continue doing so. But under the condition that it's possible to develop artificial superintelligence, which might happen in 20 to 200 years or later, um, experts agree on, some experts agree on it's going to happen maybe in 2045, 2050. Um, under the condition that this is possible, we, we get to a point where systems way smarter than us and you tend towards um, or you believe that it's not very likely that we are going to be part of the equation forever because a way smarter system uh, does not see us as any value adding component. In terms of AI safety, in order to prepare for the worst case scenario, um, we have to start doing research and have to start developing security mechanisms right now. And such systems can be designed intentionally and unintentionally. Is that correct? I think you got it. I think in general that's that's right. I mean, we can still enjoy a lot of novelty. We can have artificial worlds created for us, which we can explore forever, multiple universes. You can roam through different planets, just virtually generated like immersive video games, and it could be a lot of fun, but it wouldn't be... A real world it would be a deep fake at the level of universe so for now let's go back to the present and let us talk about your upcoming book what is it about well the book is done i submitted the proofs uh, last week it's a edited book with uh, about 45 different people a lot of uh, famous uh, scientists philosophers writers uh, researchers business people very diverse group of uh, professions and backgrounds it's on AI safety and security, and uh, the hope is it will be a kind of baseline book for anyone looking to understand the field, to kind of see what the field is all about, 
uh, it's a new field we're trying to establish ourselves so it could be used as a textbook i guess as well for for certain classes on philosophy and computer science uh, the hope is that uh, people interested in understanding is this a real problem is this taken seriously does this have any credibility will be able to uh, point to this book and go okay all this top-notch people invested time into this project so there is something to it it's not uh, science fiction it's not pseudoscience we can we can have some respect for that and is it a book everybody can read or do you need a technical background so it's designed to be a book anyone can read because you can skip chapters it's about 500 pages and uh, you can skip half of it and still get lots of interesting material so there are some chapters which are highly technical and propose specific algorithmic solutions to specific problems, but then many a high-level philosophical economic analysis of a problem, just general uh, understanding of what the situation is. So uh, I think it's uh, accessible to general audience, to undergraduates, and there is something for professionals as well. Okay, great. I will definitely read it. The last question for today. What would you ask an artificial superintelligence? So I think it goes back to your magical powers, right? Now I get to ask anything and get anything. Uh, I guess an interesting question is how do we escape from this simulation? How to escape from the simulation? Do you think we're living in a simulation? I have no doubt. You have no doubt? That could be another session. Let's do it. Okay, Roman, thank you for your time. It was mind-blowing, mind-extending. I hope you can do another podcast session in the future and um, I'm looking forward to read all your new upcoming research. Thank you, it was a lot of fun. This episode of Global Brains the Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more insights and the latest trends in the AI world. Always aiming to make AI accessible to everyone. Also, don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. If you work in the AI field or want to, join our community by following the link in the description. See you in the next episode.